Hello, welcome to a very special edition of Shoot the Defence. I'm your host, Stel. I've got a very, very special guest. It's been a while since I've done an interview for this particular podcast, but hey, first guest of, of the new season is West Ham legend George Paris. And you know what? I'd say a bit of a Brighton legend as well. I don't want to knock them. So yeah. <laughs> George, how you doing, mate? You good? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, very well. Well, before I begin, happy belated birthday, my friend. Yes, that's right. Mm. Um just a just a year older, but uh, that was Saturday. So yeah, I had a great day. Went down to the um, PGA and what's the BMW golf? So yeah, no, you're a golf no, fan, no, then, yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I don't play as well as them boys, but <laughs> I learnt one or two bits. Yeah, George, what is it about footballers and golf, mate? Because we hear about Gareth Bale being a, a big golf fan. My friend Rodri Rodri Giggs, he's a massive golf fan. They, they're always on the on the green. What is it about footballers and golf? Um. I suppose it's most probably, I know back in when we used to train, I didn't play golf then, but uh, uh-huh. obviously we, if we had a day off or we wasn't training in the afternoon, it was it was great to go and play a round of golf. So that's where most footballers get it from, I think. Fair enough. And there's me thinking that, you know, it was, a, it was like a past summer. You guys had a, a bit of a rivalry between each other, you know? Uh, well, I'm sure one or two do, yeah. It's always... <laughs> There's always competition going about. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, mate, let's let's start from the beginning here because, as far as I'm aware, you were born and bred in Barking. So I presume did you you grew up a West Ham fan? Is that right? Uh, well, yeah, I was born in Barking, but uh, I lived in Good Maze. Okay. So my early years were Good Maze, and then I moved to Ilford. Uh, so yeah, I think football wise, it was. Um, well, to be honest, I, I used to go to um, Spurs games with my mates, oh, well, schoolmates. Okay. Yeah, so, um, but I was well into cricket. So cricket was my main sport in the early years. And um, I thought I was actually better at cricket than I was at football. But that, okay. that didn't transpire, which is great for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, West Ham was a local side and I was lucky enough to play for my district and, and my county as well, Essex. But I didn't play uh, cricket for Essex County so that's where uh, I swayed a little bit more towards football mm. So who were your idols growing up then? Uh, well I suppose there's people like Graham Souness um, Bobby Charlton obviously George Best there's players like that were, they used to do it all didn't they to be mm. fair Because you, you said you went down, down the Spurs so I'm just trying to think of that era which players you probably would have looked up to. I mean, I think Bill Nicholson was way before, wasn't he? Yes, I think he was the 60s. But mm. uh, I think there was a young a young Glenn Hoddle about at that age as well. So he was obviously a fantastic player. And obviously I played against him in later years. What was that like? Uh, at times, very difficult. Yeah, <laughs> was, um, um, because he was two-footed, you didn't really, you couldn't really stand on one foot. You just had to hope that you... You were lucky enough to win the ball, and uh, but yeah, he was he was a great player. All right. So tell me about uh, your move to West Ham or when you were discovered by West Ham. What were you doing? Were you at school? Were you working? Uh, no, so I was still at school. I think I was thirteen. So uh-huh. I got spotted um, playing from a district side, and the the, the scout then Len, Len Herford he um, invited me down to West Ham. And back in those days, we used to train. Uh, two evenings a week on a Tuesday and Thursday and play school holidays, which is obviously a bit different to now with the academy mm. set up. Uh, and then it just went from there, really. Yeah, as I said, train twice a week and 
grasped it and, and learned and got better as time went on. So I, I presume the club approached your parents because 13 years old, I'm, I'm thinking they're not going to go directly to you, are they? No, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, my mum and dad got divorced when I was quite young. So right. they obviously spoke with my mum and she was quite happy for me to go down and uh, train. So I either used to get lifts with different parents or used to get the bus to, to training. And how was that as a youngster? Because, you know, it's a lot of pressure there. You know, your mum obviously was happy for you to be a, a pro footballer. But do you think deep down that's what she wanted you to do? Um, I think she just wanted me to be happy. And at mm. the time I was ecstatic by playing football. That's all I wanted to do. So, um, yes, I had her blessing. And, um, yeah, that's what I did. You got any siblings? Yes, I've got two brothers and a sister. Older, um, younger? All older. I'm the, I'm, the mm. baby. I'm the junior. My nickname was Junior at home. All right. Okay, so uh, what, were, what were they doing when you were kicking ball as a youngster for West Ham then? 13, 14 years old, you're in the white, I presume it was YTS. Was it YTS? Uh, no, back in our days, it was apprentice, apprenticeship. Apprentice, okay. So, um, yeah, they, they, they fully backed me. And my brother was quite a decent player as well. So he... He used to go with me for district games and watch me play and stuff. So yeah, okay, had okay. their support. Lovely. So you're 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 in the academy. You're you're doing whatever you need to do. I, I presume that you guys were doing chores around the state. I've spoken to many ex pros in the past. In fact, it was it was Steve Chettle, former Nottingham Forest defender, who told me many years ago. It was actually the first former pro who told me about what you guys used to do back in the day. You're cleaning toilets. You're cleaning the stadium. You're cleaning balls. You're you're cleaning the boots. You're you're mm. basically doing practically everything that yeah. that you wouldn't see players do these days. All that, yeah, all that and more. Yeah, we had to we had to uh, wash the kit and put it in the dryers and make sure the kit was out there for the for the um, for the pros and the first team. Yes, yeah, so all those things you mentioned we we used to do on a on a regular basis. Do you know what? it's incredible because you know as I said these days youngsters don't really do too much of that. I was talking to one former Arsenal Academy player and he was telling me, yeah, you know, we, we do little things like cleaning the, the pros' boots and all that, but effectively everything was was done for them. So they didn't have to lift a finger, really. Whereas, in, right. you know, back when you were 13, 14 years old, you're doing all the mundane stuff that, you know, these days it's a privilege, you know, they're privileged to be in this position, No. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, as soon as we we signed as apprentice at sixteen, that was those were all the jobs that we were doing. So that was our that was our regular um, chores, if you like. On top of obviously trying to train as well. So we we used to train twice a twice a day as well. So it was um, yeah. You look forward to going to bed by the end of the. the <laughs> <laughs> so so when did you officially sign? Because when did you? So you're thirteen uh, to join West Ham, but when you signed pro, what year was that? Oh, well, I signed Apprentice 81, 1981. And then right. I, and then when I was 17, the following year, I signed my first pro contract. So 81 was basically the year after they won the FA Cup when Brookings scored the winners, all right? That's right, yes, yes. So Trev, yeah. So um, I went to that game. So um, we, well, As, we a, as an apprentice, up. right? Is that something that uh, they get? No, I was, I was still a schoolboy then. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah, yeah you're right. So, Apologies. Uh, no, that's fine. I was a schoolboy. I was actually in England under 15 schoolboy that year. Oh. I played for England in 1980. So, yeah. So, who was in the squad then? Or who were you playing alongside? 
Um, so one or two that went on to play professionally, uh, Warren Donald, who obviously was at West Ham for a while, uh, Paul Rideout. Wow, okay, ex Everton. Um, yep, um, who else? I think Lee scored an FA Cup final win in '95. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he had a good career, didn't he? Went abroad as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Paul, um, I think Lee Bray made it, he was a midfield player. So there was a there was two or three of us that went on from that okay. England side, yeah. Excellent. So you, you signed for West Ham and what year did you make your, your official debut then? Uh, so I made my debut against Liverpool, which was the last game mm. of 84-85 season. Wow. OK. And what was that like? The, the famous Liverpool, you know, European yes. machine. They were, yeah. Uh, I was quite lucky because I, I didn't know I was playing until about an hour before the game. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have enough time to be nervous, to be honest. So it's... Um, yeah, it did me a favour. Otherwise, you you would have been looking at the team you're up against and think, wow, can I do that? But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. We got beat 3-0, um, but I thought I played all right in my debut. Yeah. All right, who were you marking? <laughs> oh, God. It feels like I was marking everyone. Every day, but, uh, I think he was in midfield that day. I don't know if Stevie Nicol was in midfield. But, wow. uh, but yeah, they had a star-studded side then. I can imagine. I think you had Billy Bonds was in your team. Didn't you have Tony Cotty was a leading scorer that season, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think I can't remember if it was Frank Senior's last game. Think, um, he was definitely in the squad that season. Definitely in the yes, squad that season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we had a decent side, but we were, yeah, it was the end of a long season. I say that I was quite lucky to make my debut in the last game, so... Blimey. And you lasted till 1993 at West Ham. Now, I remember West Ham were a little bit of a yo-yo club in the in the late 80s, weren't they? Up and down, up and down. Yeah. But yeah. Um, b- before I want to talk to you about that, I want to talk about something more, more serious, and that's um, racism in football, because we know it's becoming more and more um, of, a, of a, a subject that we know we're educated more about, should I say? You know, but in the eighties, it was like a normal thing. It's almost as if, like, you, you got you know, you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth. It's, it was just normal. Um, I spoke to uh, Paul Canaville uh, many years ago about his book and the racism yeah. that he endured from his own supporters, let alone the mm-hmm. the opponents. So, what was it like for you in the eighties, going through West Ham's academy? And, and obviously playing on the pitch. I, I heard an incident where a banana was thrown at you and you just peeled it and ate it in front of them. Uh, yeah, that was when I was in the first team. But yeah, right. that I was... Um, yeah, I can't remember which actual game it was. But um, yeah, someone threw a banana on the pitch. So I, I just thought, well, the best thing to do is to pick it up and pretend to eat it and, and throw it back into the crowd. So it, I sort of like turned the tables on whoever threw it. So you, How did you the knew crowd who... react when you did that? How did oh, the crowd yeah, they, react? They, they, they were rolling about laughing, some of them. I mean, you, you could actually tell who threw it in because he he was red-faced and stuff while all his, <laughs> mates, all his mates was laughing at him. So, it, yeah, it was great. I just thought that that was the way for me to deal with it. And, um, yeah, it was quite commonplace. It was away games. Um, but, you, yeah, you got on with it. And hopefully if you played well, then that was, that was a way of combating it. So, I mean, the, the attitude towards racism was completely different. You know, I spoke to um, Sando Elise, who played for Nigeria, and he told me that he was racially abused in, in Italy when he was playing for Juventus. And I said to him, well, what would you tell any youngster that's going through this right now? And he said, well, you can't react to it. You've got to be the bigger person and just continue playing because it's your football that's going to do the talking at the end of the day. 
while I agree at the same time, you know, things must be done about this. We saw it quite recently, England against Hungary. Yes. And the, the sad thing is, it's almost as if a, as soon as the draw is made for these, these competitions or these friendlies or qualifiers or whatever, the first thing you're going to say when England are, draw, are drawn against the likes of Hungary and other nations that are that way inclined is, I wonder how long it's going to take for them to, to kick off or if the, the powers that be are going to do anything about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crying shame, as you rightly say. It wasn't, it wasn't a shock really when it happened, did it against mm. uh, Hungary? Um, yeah, I mean they tried behind closed doors, but I don't think that works. You got, mm. there's got to be tougher sanctions, hasn't there? And I think t- uh, in their defence now, there's a different platform for the players. I think it's um, they have got a different platform, and I, it won't be, it won't be too long before one and maybe all the team will walk off. I can see that happening because mm-hmm. that's, I think they've now got the power to do that. I think that's, hopefully I'll never get to that, but I can see it happening. But did anything uh, severe happen with you? And the reason why I asked this is because I've spoken to other players in the past and I've heard that bullets have been posted through their letterbox and all sorts of stuff have, uh, has happened. Did you encounter anything as, as severe as that? Um, not a bullet. The only thing I, I had I, and I was talking about the other day was um, when I was at Brighton on loan, um, I scored, I don't remember, I scored that cheeky goal against Bristol well, you're Rovers. you the goalpost, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, But later on, because I, I think during that season I've been on loan to Bristol City and uh, I don't know how, but someone, someone had got my address and um, I had a letter from um, Chelsea Headhunters that, that was posted all the way up to... I, I was then in Birmingham at the time, so I went right. to Solihull. Um, so, yeah, that was that was what I had. So, it was yeah, it was a bit scary. Um, well, what can you do in that kind of situation? I mean, you call the police, but it's not as if... It's like nowadays where you've got forensics and if it's like an email, then you can trail the IP. It's, you know, you're living in a time where someone's posted something in the letterbox and you don't have a clue where it's come from. Well, we didn't even do it. I think if I remember rightly, I think myself and my first wife, then we, we read it and I think we just ripped it up and that was it. Um, but you always, for a little while, I was always looking over his shoulder. But um, yeah, um, people get their kicks out of doing that. I don't know. I can't see it myself. Yeah. Well, talking about the pressure of playing for a club like West Ham, you know, very, very... Um, uh, fanatical fan base, I'd say, very passionate. We've seen him, especially recently, um, you know, obviously prior to COVID, when, when the London Stadium was full, even before the bowling ground was was absolutely rocking. What was it like for you stepping out on that pitch, especially with the players who you were playing alongside? I mean, you mentioned quite a few. Yeah, even Paul Allen was there for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, they took to me straight away. I was, I was, um, I suppose, I don't know if you say really lucky, but um, all I did was go at them, give a hundred percent, and I think they they took to me because I I did that. So that I never encountered any racism when I was playing for West Ham and my own fans. They were they was good as gold to me. So you only take it as how you find it for yourself. But um, I enjoyed every minute playing at the the bowling ground. I, I used to love it, especially under the lights. I mean the crowd the crowd were fantastic and always got behind us. What would you make of this current West Ham squad then? We, they had a very good season last year. David Moyes came back for his second stint at the club, European football. And it's almost as if they, they carried on where they left off last season, no? 
Yeah, very much so, yeah. I mean, the Newcastle game was, in years gone by, we would have got beat that game. But um, didn't really worry too much when we went behind just because of how this side is and what they do. And um, yeah, they've hit the ground running, got some good points on the board already. So um, good squad, brought one or two players in as well. So that will help and aid the squad going forward to not just in the Premiership, but for, say for that European adventure. What do you make of the uh, the signings then, the the Czech signings? Because Socek and Kufa are already there. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were snip, weren't they? I mean, the the season they had. I think it it's hard enough going to a club, isn't it? But being a foreign player as well and having to uh, to hit the ground running, they did that and more. And um, yeah, great signings, and hopefully the that the other lad we just got recently will be exactly the same. So um, yeah, some good pedigree there. And what about Mikel Antonio? He's uh, reinvigorated his career, hasn't he? Going from right back to a centre forward. A lot of people have put him in, put him in their their fantasy football, and then he got sent off against Southampton. He kind of ruined, <laughs> ruined the weekend. <laughs> yeah, there might be uh, there might be transferring his name, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, what fantastic start! Top goal scorer, wasn't he? Up until the weekend, I think. And yeah, it just shows you sometimes you you need a little bit of luck. You have your talent, but. You need a little bit of luck as well. And he, yeah, everything he's touched at the minute has gone in. Absolutely. Well, look, let's go back to you here, mate, because, um, you know, you played with, alongside some very, very special footballers. And one of them who doesn't really get spoken about these days is Frank McAvenny. Um, He was a goal scorer and a half, from what I remember anyway. Um, but he was a bit of a character, wasn't he? Yeah, Frank, yeah. I mean, it, the season he had, that, that 85, 86 season, he... It, he, I suppose he scored on and off the pitch, if you like. But um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, again, he was a crowd favourite. He, he worked hard, and I say that that season, he he scored everywhere, didn't he? He was um, he was a great player. I think I enjoyed I enjoyed playing with him, and he was great company off the pitch as well. I mean, he um, he liked the uh, he liked the London lights. Mm, can you imagine? Have you got any yeah. stories that you want to throw him under the bus? Oh, fuck him under the bus. Um, I suppose find him under the bus. We used to have good nights out. We like we used to go down to London occasionally. He was, um, I suppose, on Kingpin down at Stringfellas and places like that. So it was good to go down there because I'd never been to places like that. So whenever Yarks would be wanting a night out, I always used to tag along. So, Stringfellas, um, yeah, that's the yeah. hey, listen, that's <laughs> not a bad place to, to start a night out to be honest, or even end a night out, or even do a whole night out there, you know? yeah, not bad, not bad. But where, where did you guys go in terms of you know, you said you go to London Stringfellas, but was it was it any specific places like any regular pubs or bars that you guys would visit, obviously, apart from Peter's place? <laughs> um, well, I spoke not in London, I mean, obviously, in around Essex, we used to go to um. Uh, Hollywoods. Okay. Uh, and we used to go to um, a place called Tots down in Southend. Um, and Duke's in, I think Duke's was in Chelmsford. So we used to do the local rounds as well every so often. So we we had a good nucleus of lads there and everyone used to have a good luck night out. Even, even the boys who didn't have a drink, they used to come out with us as well. So Did you get reminded constantly about West Ham winning the World Cup in 66? <laughs> uh, yeah, which I suppose, I suppose technically we did. Yes, that's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not really going to follow in those footsteps, I don't think. But yeah, it's good to have that tradition. What makes West Ham such a special club? Uh, the, the reason why I ask is because you see a lot of 
celebrities on the television, like, for example, Danny Dye being one of them, big West Ham fan. Um, obviously, there was the 66 link and the, the, the way that the, the players had such a fantastic tournament, Jeff Hurst, etc. But um, in terms of a club in general, because we hear about Arsenal and Spurs being very well-run clubs. And as I mentioned before, West Ham have always been a little bit of a yo-yo club, back and forth divisions and whatnot. But they've always had this sense of like, you know, it's a London club. Um, you know, the fans are very passionate. They're very proud supporters. You being a former player, what is it about the club, uh, the ethos of the club that makes them so special? Well, I think first and foremost, I think the fans want you and expect you to work hard first and foremost if you've got talent that's that that's a bonus for sure but I think first and foremost they want you to to give a hundred percent and I know from my own my own um, experience some days that wasn't good enough and couldn't pass water that sort of thing but they they love you for the for trying so I think that there, there's that affinity with the fans and the players if you give a hundred percent that's good enough for them. As I say, obviously you need to have that talent as well. And uh, if they can see you doing both of them, then you're, you're going to be all right. What are your favourite memories of being at the club though? Because I, I read somewhere that you played against Spurs and Chelsea within the space of like three days and you beat them both games. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That was over the, um, I think that was over the Easter period, wasn't it? So we, um, I think that that Chelsea game away was possibly one of our best performances of that 85-86 season. We won, I don't know if you've seen the clips, but there wasn't that much grass on the pitch. It was, uh, might have been middle of March. It was, yeah, it was Easter weekend and mm-hmm. uh, we won 4-0. We played some amazing football and uh, I, I made one of the goals um, with a lung-bursting run a run off the ball down the pitch. And I don't know if you have, when you watch it or hear it, you you can hear the um, the monkey charts in the background. Uh, um, but I, I crossed it in and uh, Tony Cotty scored. I can remember turning around and giving it one of them into the crowd. And I think if I remember rightly where I did it, there was um, there was one or two West Ham fans in that Chelsea bit as well. So um, I think apparently, I think we certainly won on and off the pitch that day. But um yeah, and then yeah, and then we beat Spurs. I think it was two one on the Monday. Um, but yeah, the games the games came thick and fast. So you'd rather be playing football than training. So yeah, of course, absolutely. So um, you spent some time at Birmingham. You spent some time in Sweden, if I'm not mistaken. Norshipping is that right? Uh, Norshipping. Yes. Norshipping. Yes. Apologies. Apologies. Uh, uh, no, I I had a um, so my contract to finish at Birmingham. I was a free transfer. Uh, and then during that summer, I, I went, I went to North North shipping for I think six games just to keep myself fit and well. And um, when I came back, I got a shout from um, Liam Brady again to come come back to because I'd already been on loan to Brighton for about three four months to the end of that particular season. Uh, came back there and um, yeah, I ended up signing eventually at Brighton. Liam Brady, that's some name. And um, for yeah. you know, for Arsenal fans steeped in clubs history, be it as a player or as a coach, he did remarkably well for their academy. What was he like being, uh, you know, your your head coach or your manager? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I knew Liam obviously playing with him at West Ham. So when when we played together at West Ham, you just admired what he did. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind he'd obviously been a a godlike figure in Italy anyway. So when he came back and 
he could still do some of that. You know, his, his left foot was like a wand, you know, that sort of thing, watching it in training and trying to, obviously trying to tackle him in training and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a privilege to play alongside him. And then when he asked me to come and play for Brighton, it, it was it was a no-brainer, really. Best left foot you've you've played with, shall I say? <laughs> uh, yes, I would outshadow that, although I suppose you, you could class Julian Dix mm-hmm. with his left foot, but in a in a um a it's different like a rocket, wasn't he? You know, yeah, a rocket launcher. Less less subtle than Liam's left foot. <laughs> <laughs> less cultured. <laughs> yes, yeah. Less cultured. But um yeah, in terms of former teammates. Who would you look at right now and say, right, you know, if we had a time machine and bring them to the Premier League now, who do you think could uh, could make the grade? Um, well, I think the best player I ever played with in the first team was uh, Alan Demcher. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think he, he would have no trouble playing now just with his, his silky skills. Again, I was lucky enough to play behind him in that season. And uh, most of the time I used to just give him the ball and wave my arm and say, well, if you need me, I'm behind you. But um, <laughs> um, And that was after he had a, he nearly, um, his career was nearly finished when it with his knee, his knee injury that he had. So yeah, fantastic. But I think Trevor, people like Trevor Brooking, Billy Bonds would, would certainly be okay in this day and age, just because of what they did on the pitch and longevity that they, they all had in their career. Mm. What about Tony Cotty then? Poacher, absolute poacher. Yeah. Yeah, well, I grew up with Tony. He's the same. He's the same youth team as me, same age. So, played against him district football, and then played with him for Essex and London, and then obviously the youth team. So, yeah, even at that early age, he scored. He would score seven, eight, nine goals sometimes in a game. But um, yeah, what an asset to have in your side because you you knew you knew that nine times out of ten he was going to score. So. If you kept a clean sheet, you're going to win the game. So that was that was a thought when we went out on the pitch. His movement in the box was something different, wasn't it? You know, I know it was a, a like a pocket rocket as they call him, you mm. know, but he really knew that penalty box. Absolute poacher. Yeah, because sometimes you wouldn't you wouldn't see him for dust, and then suddenly you appear and you knock it in the net, right or left foot, or occasionally a header. Even though he wasn't the big, he wasn't the tallest. So, yeah. Why do you think he only got like seven England caps? Because I know he got his first cap when '86. I can't remember if it was before or after Mexico, but he got his um, his first cap in '86, and I think his last cap was in '89, '90 when it was at Everton. And right. I don't know whether it's because he was in an era where there were so many talented strikers. You know, you had. Gary Lineker and the tail end of his career. You had Alan Smith, Ian Wright, and then I think yeah. the emergence of Alan Shearer in the early 90s, 92, 93. Why do you think he only managed to get seven caps? Yeah, I don't know. You're right. You rightly you say it might be that that period of time you just rattled off some names. I'm sure that Steve Ball was another one. Blimey. Yeah, there's half a dozen others that you would say that. Um, so he was possibly a bit unlucky, especially being a goal scorer as well, because you need goal scorers, don't you? So. Um, but yeah, I didn't realise it was only seven that he played. I believe so. But he he got quite a few under twenty one level. But I think he um I think I'm pretty sure it was seven. Pretty sure it was seven under twenty one. Seven full cats. But yeah. So yourself, what about your um your background? So if if for example you had the op- option to play for a national team, wh- which one would wh- which national teams would you be eligible for? Okay, so um, 
obviously England, and there was there was discussions around um, again during that eighty five eighty six season. My my mum was Trinidadian. Okay, um, so, so warriors, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they so they actually got into the playoffs, didn't they, that year to go to Mexico, but they got beat by America. So um, there was a, there was talk around that that possibly if they won, then there might be an opportunity to to play for them. Would you have done that it? Would have been eighty-six. Um, I, I would have thought so. Yeah, just because the opportunity arose, or you know, eighty-six wasn't it, Mexico? So. Um, yeah, we never know because it didn't happen. But um, I'm sure if I was asked a question, I think it's it's an honour to play for any international mm. side. So if if you are asked, I think yeah, I must probably. Well, we've we've seen the likes of Shaka Hislop and Dwight York play for for the TNT yeah. national team, and um, I think Terry Fenwick was head coach up until recently. Yes, um, yeah, he was out there. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he did he did well I wouldn't say he did okay because he lost his job but um, you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know but I, they didn't qualify for um, what was it which, which tournament was it they didn't qualify for was it Gold Cup I can't remember but it, they kind of Gold, went out yeah Concaf Concaf yeah something like that yeah and yeah. It, it, didn't, it didn't go too well I, I know um, Kelvin Jack is a good friend and he was on the on the coaching staff and uh, I think Ken Wynn Jones may have May have had something to do with the national team. Was it the under 17s? I think I'm not sure here, but yeah. um, you know a lot of talented players have come out of that region, especially the West West Indies in in general, as we mentioned, like Jim. Antonio. Yeah, so you know even yeah. Raheem Sterling, Raheem Sterling could have played for Jamaica. Um, yeah, got yeah. Leon Bailey at Aston Villa, who does represent the national team. I think Rio Ferdinand, uh, Rio Ferdinand has got a Saint Lucian background. If I'm not mistaken, same with Jermaine Defoe. Um, so yeah, can you, can you imagine how good these uh these teams from the Caribbean would be for yeah if they in select England? John Barnes, Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But um, I think the, the international circuit now is even more prominent than mm. it was in my day. I think that now they they allow them to go quite quite easily across and play in all these international. So it's great. Yeah. There you go. Well, George, um, can you sum up your time at Brighton? How would you how would you sum it up in, in a few words? Um, I thought I did okay. I, I, I was there for two seasons. Um, lovely club, well run. They even even more so now. They've got that holistic approach to what they do. I, I was lucky enough to then later on work with the girls set up there for eight years. So um, they like to do things the right way, and yeah, that. They've done remarkably well because it was only one game away from going at the league against Hereford. So mm. they've come a hell of a long way since. From the Goldstone ground to, to that, Amex. Yeah. 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 You have to, I'm sure Brighton fans will pinch themselves. You, you mentioned you worked with the girls team. Mm. Are you are you surprised to see how far the women's game has come? Because now it's televised on Sky Sports. I think BT Sports had it for a bit. Yeah. Got Champions League and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's taken a while, but um, I like to think I was one of the champions to try and push it along. Um, pioneer Paris, there you well, go. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a pioneer, but there's lots that the talent that I know mm. from our the women and girls set up at Brighton. There's, there's there's a hell of a lot of talent there, and um, it's great now they're getting exposure, and um, hopefully people can see what what a good product it is. Mm. Well, look, there's uh, well, there's a couple of quick things I want to ask you. Uh, this one might be a bit of a touchy subject, but I know you've spoken about it on, uh, on a few occasions. I think there's a DVD that's been released as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you had a little bit of a gambling addiction. 
Um, and this is something that's very important to to discuss because we we speak about mental health, we talk about racism, but also gambling gambling is something that needs to be put out there a, a bit more. Now, I come from a Mediterranean background, and if if I went back home to Cyprus where my family's from, more often than not, you will see three or four betting shops on every street corner. It's massive. Yeah. Football clubs are sponsored by betting companies out there. That One of the leagues in Greece, I think, were sponsored a couple of years ago. So, you know, it's a huge thing. But for you, did you do it out of boredom? Or did you just, you know, become you know addicted to it because you were winning? I don't know. Um, I suppose I ended up doing it. Well, ultimately, I didn't win because <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't have been in the... the the predicament I was with uh, my gambling debts and stuff. But, um, yeah, I think initially might have been just boredom. Um, I talked about the golf earlier. So during the afternoons, some players used to go and play golf and there'd be one or two of us would go and go in the bookie. So that was the, the road I took. Most of my most of my um, teammates didn't have a problem with it. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I had that problem and it just it just grew and grew. And, uh, was it specific uh, events or was it just everything? Because I know some people have got a, a thing about, I don't know, uh, horse racing or some people do slot machines or some people do roulette. Is it, was was yours just an all-round kind um, of thing? So initially it was um, horses and dogs. Right. Um, but by the end, by the, by the time, hopefully I had my last bet, I was I was betting and everything could have been two flies up the wall. Wow. I think my last, my last, bet was a um a virtual horse race <laughs> you know that wow. you know when they do those nights but they yeah, yeah. they used to do those in the book I, I spoke to someone about it um the other day and i think they still do these those virtual horse races the oh, same yeah. the, the same the same meeting as well i can i can remember i can <laughs> remember the meeting and all that it's that was crazy that was crazy but um yeah towards the end it was anything and everything so did you get much help from the PFA or any outside source to help you go over this? Um, so right at the beginning, most probably no, because there wasn't anything about. And um, I think the first time that I I thought I had a problem, I didn't really know too much about it. I don't think too many other people knew anything about it. So it's just a case, well, I suppose, get on with it. Don't don't gamble. But there was, there was other things involved. Um, so I did that for about three or four years, and I had, I had my first relapse. Um, a couple of weeks it was, but yeah, I just went crazy, um, betting on anything and everything. Uh, and then I stopped again for another, I think, about another three or four years. And then um, I had, a, and then I had another relapse, which was the last time I had a bet, which was tenth um, of Feb, uh, two o five, two thousand and five. Wow, so you've gone quite a long time without doing yeah. that. Yeah, it's yeah, sixteen well done. and a bit years. So well done, brilliant. Um, I think I, I, hopefully I'll grasp it then. You know, what I mean, some 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 people grasp it earlier. Some people possibly never grasp it in relation to their problem gambling. But um, yeah. yeah, you hear That's all sorts I, of stories. Though, you know, people putting their their house keys on the line for a card game. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's, it, you yeah, know, that, the yeah, people... yeah, yeah, it's crazy, but um, I think that's what it that's what it does to you, especially if you're you're addicted to it. That's what it does, I suppose. It, obviously, with drink and drugs and things, people do some unbelievable silly things to 
to feed their addiction. So yeah, I, I, I understand with that for sure. Do you think enough is being done to support uh, players and ex-players who perhaps are going through the same thing? Yeah, I think it's a bit different now. I mean, so um, towards, I think after my first relapse, I think the, the Sporting Chance Clinic was open, wasn't it? With, with um, That's with Tony Adams went there, didn't he? Didn't that Tony was Tony Adams, Adams yeah. Um, so I, I, I had a little spell in there. So I was seeking the, the help. So I think even more as more nowadays you've got the PFA helping and um I know that I know that they've got quite a wide um network of counsellors. I'm a counsellor myself, so okay. or, or a therapeutic counsellor. I shouldn't say counsellor because every time I say that people say, Oh, what what are they doing with the roads and stuff? They think I'm an, <laughs> they think I'm an MP counsellor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm a therapeutic counsellor. So, um, and uh, yeah, so I know what it's about. And yeah, the PFA is doing lots of good things out there. To to be honest, mate, you, you probably do a better job than most MPs. Yeah, I might train for it in later life, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you you could put yourself up for mayor, mayor of London. <laughs> you got yeah, listen. There's, uh, there's yeah. thousands of West Ham supporters in London. I'm sure they'll vote yeah. for you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know what my manifesto will be, but yeah, I can have. We, a... We'll have another conversation. <laughs> we'll, we'll jot things down, mate. We'll come up with something. Don't worry, we can do that. No yeah. problem whatsoever. No problem whatsoever. Well, George, one more thing before I let you go, mate. Um, if you can think, I know this might not be a fair question, but if you can think of the best eleven players you've played against, do you think you could come up with like a starting eleven? Against? Wow. Yeah. Um. I would say with because there's loads of former teammates and that yeah. would be fair. Uh, so against um, da, 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 da. poor goalkeepers. Wow, you've got you've got people like Neville, um, Neville oh, South. Yeah. Um, didn't play against Michael. So Kubala uh, was he there? Played, uh, yeah, no, I would say Neville Clements. South probably. Played against Clements, yeah, he was there, of course. Um, had one game against Shilton when okay. I was at, when I was at Brighton against Orient, but um, I suppose overall most, most probably Neville South or I'll go okay. with. Um, of course, no, uh, I would think Paul McGrath would be there, one mm. of the centre halves. What was it um, about him? What because I talk to people about Paul McGrath, and they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, listen, this guy had dodgy knees, and he could still he could still ball, honestly. What a player. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he not only had pace, but he could read the game as well. And um, yeah, he was a class player, even though he obviously he had troubles of his own, but um, yeah. he seemed to overcome them. Um, I suppose next to him, but must probably Tony Adams. I suppose T.O. Yeah. T.O. being there. Uh, full backs. So you've got two leaders there right away. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think in, back in those days, some of the players you played against, you could reel off loads of different names mm. and then you someone would say, well, what about this one and what about that one? There's so many good players about, I think. Um, full-backs. Kenny Sansom, would he be up there? Kenny, yeah, he played yeah, left-back, yeah. Stuart right. Pearce? Stuart Pearce, yeah. Um, I think I played more against Kenny than mm. Stuart, but um, yeah, Kenny Sansom, right-back. Oh, um, I, I think he played. He, I liked him when he played fullback, but he didn't play there all the time. 
Stephen Nichol. Okay, yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, he was a decent fullback when we played against him. Um, obviously, Phil Neal. Only played against oh. him a couple of times. Um, I'll, I'll put. Uh, I'll go Phil Neal. Okay. Yeah, midfield. Wow, array of talent. Um, you going four? You going five? <laughs> oh yeah, to go yeah. <laughs> Four one five. Or just um, got four six zero like Guardiola. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think Hoddle would have to be in there. Oh, Hoddle, Gascoigne, Gaza, uh, yeah. Most probably Ardiles. Ardiles okay. as well. He was the most, most probably the most difficult player I played against when I played midfield. I, I know his son very well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I'm, I mention it to him. Yeah, I, I I've mentioned to it a couple of times when I've I've seen him at golf events. I've I've joked and said, "Oh, that's the closest I've got to you." He <laughs> well, was, was that good then, yeah. He was that yeah, good. What was it about him? Yeah. What was it? Because he he was quite small though, but he yes. looked like he could ball. Yeah, he he always used to put his arm out, so and the ball was the outside, so you could never, as much as I tried to kick him, I could never get a good a good tackle against him. He always used to have his arm out. So um, yeah, there, there's three I've just mentioned. Um, Did you play against Brian Robson? Brian, I was just about to mention him, yeah, Brian Robson, he would be in there. Go on, what was um, it about Robbo there? Because as a, as a... Um, he did it all, didn't he? He went up and he went back, and then he went mm. up, he went back, he went to the side, you know, that sort of... I know nowadays the people that are in those selective positions, but in our day, you had you had to be able to go up and then back again, and he used to I, do it on a regular basis, and score goals, didn't he? I, I heard this, this story where um, Man United were playing Sheffield United, and Ryan Giggs was was only a youngster, and he was on the left hand side. And um, he, he he told Robson that the right back was kicking him all over the place. And Robson goes, "Leave it with me. Let's swap positions for five minutes." So Robson went on the left. Giggs went in the middle. Five minutes later, Robson comes back and he goes, "Don't worry, he ain't going to touch you, son." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might well be true. Yeah, I mean, that, those things used to happen, didn't they? You used to get people to sort it out for the yeah. Team really? Did, did you ever have to do that for someone though? Um. I don't know if I had to. I know that I did something similar when we um, we played Sunderland, I think it was, in a night yeah. game at Upton Park. And um, Paul Bracewell playing for Sunderland. And good player. I think he, yeah, good player. I think he'd only just passed his fitness test and he had a, a bad knee, I think, if I remember rightly. So that was, um, yeah, that was the quickest I got booked. I think it was about <laughs> 15 seconds. I, 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 in those days, you allowed one tackle, weren't you? But, um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but was it one of those letting him know that you're there or was it like, right, you know? You're... Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, I think it, it did the job, I think, because he, <laughs> he, he wasn't as influential as normal and uh, we won 5-0, so it was uh, it was job done. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, those things happened back in them days, Brilliant. for sure. Um, so so you went, you've gone with Gaza. Yeah, ga- uh, yeah. What can you say I about this I don't know how we're going to play because Rob, Robson, Gaza, Hoddle and Ardile, so I don't know how we would how we would put it's all diamond, like a diamond in the middle, a diamond right? of some sort. Um, what was it about Gaza? And obviously, we know about his technique, but in terms of a, a footballing ability, uh, Christ, he was one of the best I've seen. It, it, I, it's such a shame that he had the issues that he did because mm. he would have been up there with the best 100%. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, he, um, I don't think he was blessed with pace, but he, he had a change of pace that took him away from you. You just think, oh, I, oh, I've got this, and then, oh no, I haven't got it. And he, 
you're just seeing his backside running away from you. You yeah. know, that sort of, and he had that ability and yeah, he had, he had the ability to obviously nutmeg people as well if he wanted to and stuff. So, yeah. I, I remember a goal against, I think it was Notts County in the FA Cup back in 91, I want to say, where he's just taken three players, players out of the game by a drop of his shoulder. It was just, mm. he was something different, something different. Yeah. He was an alien. Yeah, yeah, he was. And, uh, but yeah, that, I say that, there's four midfielders, I've said, and whether or not where 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 would they all play? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's without without naming one or two others. So yeah, and the we'll, we'll, just, we'll just agree with the, the diamond in the middle of the park. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, we'll go and with your that. your strikers. Now this is going to be a difficult one because I'm thinking what uh, Dalglish, Rush. Yeah, Dalglish. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Mark Hughes. Um, Hugh. Um, I think Dalglish would have to be in there yeah. for sure. And then you're looking at, I don't know, would it be Rush or would it be Lineker? Most, most probably Rush, I would think, alongside Dal Gleese. Yeah. They, they were a potent pair anyway, weren't they? They, yeah. they, they used to L- score for fun. Lineker did well in, in Spain, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he'd he done well, yeah. I mean, obviously, he wasn't around in our day. He'd be a certainty. Ronaldo, wouldn't he? He would, um, <laughs> he would be packing your side if I played against him, but... Uh, so what, what's the game plan when you're playing against the likes of Dalglish? Because I said I I don't remember too much about. I remember the back end of his career when he was player manager at Liverpool, but I wasn't I wasn't perhaps old enough to remember his his um, peak years, should I say? Yeah. He yeah he could do everything really. He could hold the ball up. He could turn on a sixpence and he could he could play people in if needed be, as I say. And, and then he scored goals. He scored a whole lot of different different types of goals, didn't he? But um, yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough that I didn't really have to mark him as such, but he was in and around when I played fullback. He was in and around, and just his movement as well. He was so smart, but um, yeah, phenomenal player. Head of his time, you think? Yeah, most probably. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I think he, if he'd gone, if he'd gone to foreign shores, I think he would have been a success mm. definitely. Yeah, and Ian Rush, unfortunately, he didn't have a great spell at Juventus, but you know, two spells at Liverpool, and he yeah. just ripped it to pieces. FA Cup uh, final goals, goals that that won titles. Um, yeah. Another player who doesn't seem to get the the credit he deserves. Okay, unless you're a Liverpool fan, um, Ian Rush's name is hardly mentioned these days, which is a shame because you know th- yeah. this guy was a was a goal machine. Yeah, yeah. As I say, I think that's just maybe because of the time. Whereas if he was playing now, he, yeah. He'd be a god as such, wouldn't he? I think because mm. he always he always got goals, didn't he? Always got goals. Yeah, there you go. So that's your team, Dalglish and Rush mm. up front. That's not a bad team. No, that's no, not a bad I team. I would playing against them every week. No, 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 no. You you lose the game when you're in the tunnel, mate. You just look at them and you're like, nah. <laughs> yeah. And that's without Roy Keane. I haven't mentioned him. He was a young. Oh, he, he was a young. Forest, he, yeah. he was a young lad when I played against him. So. That's the old Nottingham Forest, yeah, with Clough yeah. and oh my goodness! Now that yeah. that Forest team was good. Yeah, well, we played him. We played against them in the um, FA Cup, the semi-final that ninety-nine. Oh, yeah. 1991. Yeah, ninety-ninety-one. Yeah, they, yeah, they beat us at um, Villa Park. Wow, blimey! That, that, again, that was another good team. You had uh, Ian Wone there. You had Mark Crossley, Des Walker, Des Walker. Ted Walker, yeah, Stuart Pearce playing, yeah. I'm getting all nostalgic here, George. When you talk about that era, you can reel off loads of different names and teams. Incredible. 
Absolutely incredible. Well, George, thank you ever so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute honor to have you on. And uh, hopefully we could do this again sometime. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's great talking to you. And I think we can talk for ages about football in the 80s and 90s. So as I said, it gets me all nostalgic and whatnot. So, yeah. Cheers. Brilliant. Well, gentlemen, that's it for, should I say, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, another episode in the book. Thank you, George, for appearing on the podcast. We'll be back very soon. So until next time, take care.